Greetings in Jesus' name to each one of you here this morning. I'm glad to be able to be here and worship with brothers and sisters that love the Lord. What a tremendous blessing. We can come here and worship God in spirit and in truth. Glad to see everyone here. Glad to see a few visitors. Welcome to you. And I'm glad that uh, we live in a day of opportunity. We live in a day of, uh, of freedom. And what a tremendous blessing we have. Uh, and yet, I think more and more we see what is happening. We can know that we are living in the last days. And so that puts a, a, a little bit of urgency on our life. May I add a, a lot of urgency? Because we want to be those that are blessing to the kingdom of God in all ways to all men. <clears throat> now there's a verse, in the, uh, uh, there's a lot of verses in the New Testament that challenge me. But there's uh, one that really speaks to our hearts where it says it. First uh, John 4, 17. First John 4, 17 says, Wherein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, you know, there's going to be a one bracket of people that can stand before God in the day of judgment. And that's the ones, praise God, that Christians and we as believers can have because we have we have our, sin, our sins on before us beneath the blood of Jesus and have received forgiveness. And then we can face uh, the judge of all the earth as our Savior and Lord. What a blessing! Not as the judge, uh, as one that's going to condemn us, but as one as our Savior and the Lord of our life. And then he goes on to say, those that love him and follow him and live in that way, they're going to have something unique about their mentality. As it says, as he is, so are we in this world. I don't think there's a higher standard of living than that. You know, I know years ago they said, what would Jesus do? Now, I don't know if you thought about this morning, what you thought, what would Jesus do? But I tell you, friends, when we get in a predicament and a tight spot, or we get a time of opportunity, I think it is good to think, what would Jesus do? What would he want me to do? Maybe even, uh, even better yet. So as he is, so are we in this world. I ask every believer, really? Really? As he is, so am I in this world. Really? I do not know to say it, but I think that's the question for me. And for all of us, that's what he wants because he wants to live with us. So the title of the message is being bold and humble like Jesus. Yeah, that's what he wants us to be, like him. And so we're going to look at just a number of uh, little pictures, snapshots in his Jesus' life. And let them encourage us to be bold and humble like him. Because that's what we want to be. Because those that can come before the Lord in peace, knowing that he is the Savior of their life, and we followed him faithfully, they're going to walk like Jesus in this world. What a tremendous blessing. Luke 19, verses 5 to 10. Very familiar person, Zacchaeus, of all places to start. <clears throat> 
Yeah. Now, this man wasn't the most popular chap around because the publicans, and if you read, when we read the New Testament, a lot of times publicans and sinners were paralleled. Tax and even worse yet, it says he was rich. What a terrible thing to have to be labeled as rich. I mean, that's just uh, to the poor and the normal, you know. Uh, hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Publican and even rich. What, what a person. But Jesus loved him. We'll start verse 5, where it says, And when Jesus came to the, to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and come down and received him joyfully. And when he saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was going to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusations, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus answered and said unto him, This day... Is salvation come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham? For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And it's interesting. Uh, Jesus saw mankind as an opportunity. Now that's interesting. I don't know how you see mankind. You know, because nowadays we as uh, Americans, we have... We meet a lot of people on any given day. Now, where I live, uh, we don't meet as many people as I used to meet in a day because we don't get as many salesmen just driving by, thank the Lord. I appreciate that aspect. And, uh, but, you know, many of us meet a lot of people in a given day, but it, it's interesting to note that Jesus saw people as an opportunity to speak a word in season to them. You always see that as opportunity. Now, I just remind us, as he is, so are we in this world, okay? And so he saw him as opportunity, and he didn't see uh, people in, uh, like, class and then judge them by class, like so many people do. Well, now, okay, here's a sinner that's rich. Now, to some people, that's pretty, you know, they, they would have to work through that a little bit mentally because they wouldn't like that. And, uh, and, and then some people also see in other classes like, well, they, they don't do this or that. They're not quite as clean or they don't do this or that. Like, and they see them as, I've heard of people called lower class. And I don't know what class that means. I don't know. Maybe I'm there for all. Maybe you're there. I don't know. Uh, but we're all in a class that Jesus loves. So as he is, I'm going to be. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's entirely easy for mankind, all too easy, for them to rate people. The scripture says very plainly in James 2 verse 9, if we respect to persons, we commit sin. Yeah. It's American way. It's American way. And, it's, and, and God doesn't like that. Jesus saw them as opportunities to speak a word in season for him. And so when he saw Zacchaeus and he knew that he, uh, Zacchaeus wanted him to come, he didn't have to think twice, can I go there? Should I go there? You know, 
Uh, he cared about him, and he, he wanted, he, he, he just loved this opportunity that he has uh, to be with him and to care about them. And he wanted that opportunity. He, it, it didn't push him. It, it was just an opportunity to a lifestyle, okay? A lifestyle speaking up for Jesus, okay? And so it, it makes us wonder, how is our lifestyle? When we fight company, is it always our friends or relatives or fellow church members, or is it the lost in the community? Is it? As he is, see, we're going to be. Yeah, that's what he likes. And so I know, I know of a man that didn't live too far from his place of vocation, and he would drive by there. Uh, he come to the place of work. He worked on a farm. He would drive there by there about six to seven time, uh, days a week, twice a day, or three times or four times, I'm not sure. But in general, for a, a good while, for over a year, he would stop by this man's place and talk to him, showed him to be a friend. Three, five minutes, not that long, not that long. And that man was, had a drinking problem. And his wife uh, really cared about that, knew it wasn't a good thing to do, and she really cared, and she wanted him to change. And he acted like he wanted to change, but he couldn't get over it because it's a bondage. Sin is, has its side of bondage. You know, they're, they're caught in bondage. Every last one of us were in bondage of sin. Just praise God we can be delivered from that. Amen. We can be delivered from that. God, Jesus wants to deliver everyone from that. So he saw it as an opportunity to speak a word in season. And he was stopped by there. This, this young man wasn't much of a talker, but... You know, he'd get, when he'd talk about his struggles, he'd say, Jesus can help you. Now, that's not that hard to say. You know what I mean? If it is, practice it a while in your bedroom or wherever. Jesus can help you. And that was true. He said it real, you know, several days, and you know, you know what? It wasn't that long that man gave his heart to the Lord within a year's time. We all got five minutes a day, don't we? Amen. As he is, so are we in this world. Yeah, what a tremendous blessing. I met a man one time at a meeting. It was a larger meeting. Actually, it was a Brian meetings years ago. He comes and said, Claire, Jesus loves you. And I said, I knew that. Because you know, I said, what in the world are you trying to tell me? He said, I've committed this year for a whole year to tell somebody every day Jesus loves you. Now, that, that's not hard either, but that's good. That's good. Jesus loves you. That's good. There's nothing condemning about that, friends. That's just uplifting as can be. That's just tremendously uplifting. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, we think, well, you know, if I was asked to go to Puerto Rico or some foreign country, you know, I could be a good missionary there. Friends, if we're not good at home, we don't change when we cross the border, <laughs> you know. We, God wants us to, our Jerusalem, our Jerusalem. He said, you know, we shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, okay? Acts 1-8, he wants us to be there, our, be a witness for him, and, and daily and regularly talking to people about the Lord. No wonder Paul said that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I hope that's what Jesus can say about me. Don't you hope that's what he said? I, 
you know, he's not ashamed. Like Paul, I am not ashamed. Well, Colossians 4, verse 2, you know, we, we, we think about Paul and how good he was at this, but you know, uh, he, he was a tremendous missionary, but there was reasons why. There was things that he'd done that we can learn from. Uh, and I think there's some that is right in here, Colossians 4, verses 2 to 4 says, Continue in prayer and watch into the same with thanksgiving, with all praying for also for us that God would open into us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I make may that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. One thing for sure, if we're going to be a mouthpiece for Jesus as we he wants us to be, we're going to have to pray continually that he will lead us. And then he even said there that he'll give us an opportunity. Now, I don't know if you want more opportunities. I think God expects us to use the opportunities I have, we have before he gives us more, right? That'd be called an overdose. But he wants us to use the opportunities that, that we have. And then he says, you know what? We just don't say what the first thing comes to our mind, that God, we pray that God will give us the right thing to say, that his Holy Spirit will lead. Because it's amazing. You know, when, when you do that, one time you'll say one thing, and you meet another person, you'll say another thing. Why? Because the Holy Spirit led. That's why. He don't box you in. He just wants you to speak of his goodness, of his love and joy and love and desire for fellowship with everyone, with everyone. Uh, what, a, what a blessing that we can be those that speak out for him, those that, that are open, those that are praying. How many, mornings did, how many mornings last week did you pray for an opportunity to speak for Jesus today? Yeah, I wonder. He said, pray. Now, he didn't always just pray, Lord, bless me, friends. He wants us to be a blessing. <laughs> you know, sometimes we get some kind of self-centered thing where this all thing's about me. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus and spreading the gospel that Jesus saves. Oh, what a tremendous opportunity we have. Yes. He wants us to be fishers of men. Yeah, I know that some people like to fish for fish. And I don't get, you don't get too far from my desire sometimes. I enjoy that too. But, you know, he wants us to daily look at men as an opportunity to fish and to speak. You know, I noticed that when fishers go, fishermen go fishing, they don't stand in their backyard and just cast their lure out into the garden. You know what? They tend to go to the pond or the river, wherever the fish are at. Well, in case you don't have enough opportunities in your business, you can don't have to go too far to your neighbors, maybe I would say. A number of years ago, I lived in a place called Cabrari Branch. And uh, we lived there a number of years. The church I went to had been there about 90 years. How long has this church been? It's been here longer than that, hasn't it? Let's see. Uh, I'm, Okay, more than 90. And it was kind of interesting. One time, one day I was talking about people about the Lord. And, uh, and, uh, and he was about two miles from church, about two miles from our place. No, about a mile and a half from our place. And so finally, 
Well, I was able to weave in about Jesus. You know, that's what he wants to do. And if you're really bold like Jesus, you'll get it to fit in. And uh, so, and, I, and so, and he kind of looked like, what are you talking about? I said, have you ever heard about Jesus? Ask a man. He said, no, I've never heard about Jesus. I wonder how many people live within two miles of our homes that never heard about Jesus. I wonder. All I can say is, Jesus would like that to change. Jesus would like that to change. Well, I praise the Lord. We kept going back on a regular basis. He wasn't too fond about spiritual things, but he needed the Lord. And, and we was able, uh, praise God, and we went there to offer him that Jesus saves and that Jesus could deliver him from sin and from the bondage of sin. And he turned him down. He turned Jesus down. We kept going back. We kept going back because we welcomed. We knew that he, this man needed the Lord, and we kept going back. You never know how it's going to go, friends. You never know how it's going to go. That man was a little bit intimidating. He had a little bit of a rough lifestyle, and he would say, he would say things like, well, what, in the first place, when we first went there, uh, that uh, he, would, he, would, he had a revolver. Let's just put it this way. He had a revolver on his TV, okay? And uh, there, and he would say, you know, if things get nasty, I protect myself. I'll use that on somebody. And he, I think he was the kind that probably would have. And that could be just a tad intimidating. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but it could be just a tad intimidating. I, you know, do you, I don't think a Christian will go to heaven any ahead of schedule. Do you think so? I don't think so. I don't think so. But I, sometimes I was wondering when my scheduling was. And... Uh, and, and, but anyhow, so we're still talking about the Lord. And he seemed nice. The more you got to know him, most people that have a rough and cold front have a heart that's tender. I'm telling you. Because you know what? It's an empty life serving this Satan. It's an empty life and lonely life without the Lord. And he showed that. And so we kept talking to him about the Lord. And he kept rejecting. He said, if the Lord would do this, if the Lord would do that. And you know, I praise God. We come to God on his, on his terms, not ours. Aren't you glad? Because he'd be whipped around the bush because you'd want something different and I'd want something different. And we don't treat God that way. We come to him on his terms. He loves us. We come as sinners needing to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Praise God. That's for everyone. That's for everyone. That's for everyone, irregardless how hard they lived. Well, sad to say, and we didn't go there quite as frequently. It slowed down some, but we went there some. And it wasn't more than about a year after that, I heard the sad news that the man passed away. He'd used that pistol on his own life. And I tell you, friends, that was serious. Yeah, an end of a life was wasted. But he'd heard about Jesus, and I praise God for that. And you know what? We live in a day of opportunity. As he is, so I'm going to be. Is that our resolution? God would ask us, is that where we're going to live, friends? If you live that lifestyle, our churches will be mission churches, okay? Let's take this personally. It's our opportunity. We live in a day of opportunity. 
You need boldness? Pray for it. You need opportunities? Well, use the ones we got, okay? You need utterance? Pray for it. God will give it to you. And God will bless you in expanding his kingdom. There was another man that went to a place. I don't want to spend too much time. The, 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 the light reflects off of that uh, clock over there. I can't tell what time it is. So I'll tell you another one. Uh, I went with another man uh, to another place, and he got discouraged a little bit because the man wasn't half listening, and, and yet he listened to somebody. His wife would go out the doors in the summer, and she'd go to gardens. I always needed the garden when the local Christians come to talk. And it was interesting. As it got colder, gardening wasn't quite as appealing, so she could stay in the kitchen while we stayed in the living room. We tried to talk loud enough so she could hear because you can't escape it so much. And, and he allowed a Bible study. He, he was trying to be a Christian, and he allowed a Bible study there. And uh, this one brother felt like he wasn't getting very far, and in fact, he about to give up going there, because he would go practically every week. Every week, yeah. That's only 50 couple times a year. Every week he'd go there and spend half an hour to an hour there. And I went with him some of the time, not all the time, but some of the time. Mm. wasn't too much long later she had a heart problem a, a physical stroke stroke it was she wound up in the hospital and in a rehab and it was there in the rehab that the woman accepted the Lord amazing all because the seeds planted a year or two earlier at her home when she acted all hard about it all, and he stayed faithful unbeknown to everyone that sister died within days of accepting the Lord. She didn't know she was going to meet her maker, but God did. She accepted the Lord. That man stayed faithful. He was there, and, you know, there were some things he needed to change. He was willing to do that. He'd become a member of Bethany, and Galen Cook died a faithful member because of a man's efforts a number of years earlier. Don't get discouraged. Discouragement is a work of the devil, okay? Discouragement is a work of the devil. And I tell you, he stuck with it, and I firmly believe, I don't know for sure, but from the best man can tell, there's two special people in heaven because of one man's work. He was faithful. He was faithful. Yes, he followed the example of Jesus. He followed the example of Jesus. Now, couple uh, Luke 10 we're gonna look at another uh, thing that uh, encourages us in boldness Luke 10 very I'll go I like these familiar accounts and then try to get out things that that help us be what we should be what Jesus wants to be cutting in verse 38 Luke 10 38 to 42 and it says and now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she excuse me, had a sister called Mary, who also sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his, and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, 
Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, actually, um, Martha was a good lady, evidently. You know, uh, we like when ladies like to cook food, don't we? At least us men do. They, uh, and, but she was... Uh, and she was trying to take care of Jesus. And you know, I think a good woman would, uh, would like to, how would you like to host Jesus, in other words? You know, if he was there, would you sit around? Mary was willing to sit at the feet of Jesus. And that's an amazing thing. That's amazing. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, soaking in his words. Now, the, the point I'm seeing here is, it's, it's interesting. You know, she, he was around two dear friends of his. And we all have a lot of dear friends. And uh, one was doing what was eternally good. Another one was doing good, but it was physically good. Now that happens in our own life some, okay? I mean, I don't know if you're challenged with that, but if you get the picture, it is challenging. But Jesus was, was so, so kind that, you know, we're just saying, I don't know what I would say. It just challenges me. Here's two people, and, and one is soaking it up, and the other one's meeting my physical needs, which, you know, most being really like food, you know, so it's kind of like it's a rival here sometimes. Uh, you know, what's the most important here to do or to be? But Jesus, even though he knew that Martha needed exhortation, he knew it. He was willing to say it in such a kind way. That's what blesses me. Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. He didn't say, now Martha, don't you know better if you sit at the feet of Jesus, sit at my feet, now that would be Jesus speaking, of course, if you just go to church where you should, in other words, you'd be so much better off. Now that's what I've heard people say. That's not the way to do it, okay? We're going, as he is, we're going to do it. Two, a couple things here. Jesus did not miss the opportunity to exhort another Christian. It, uh, there is one of the ways that apostasy and compromise comes in my life and our life is because we as a brotherhood are not caring enough about the spiritual climate of our brothers and sisters. Amen? It's very true. It's very true, friends. It's a trick of the devil. Because when you see somebody erring, you're not going to jump on them. You say, oh, jump? No. You're encouraging them to maintain their walk with Jesus. That's what he was doing to Martha. He wasn't jumping on her, you know. Now, he could have. And a lot, some people do. But he said, Martha, Martha. He exhorted. you know how many times we are called to exhort one another? A lot of times. A lot of times. The scripture does. Uh, that we should be exhorting one another and caring about each other. Now let's look up Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, because it says what we're supposed to do, and even says a little bit how to do it, and how much to do it even. You know, it, because he cares about how Christians live. 
He cares about that you care about your brothers and sisters. Jesus cared about his fellow si- uh, brothers and sisters. He did. And he wants all of us to care about uh, the, uh, how the brotherhood lives. Hebrews 10, 23, where it says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to... And let me read this new King James. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Yeah. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner some is, but exhorting one another and so much more, much, so much the more as we see the day approaching. Right there it says, consider each other. Consider yourselves. Consider your brothers and sisters, and don't be afraid to exhort them. As Jesus is, so are we going to be. Okay. If we're, if our if if the church of God, the bride of Christ, is going to remain pure, friends, it isn't just because you're just looking up. It's because we are taking counsel from one another. We're willing to encourage kindly, kindly. You know, and we're talking about, this takes boldness, okay? I put this under the label of boldness, okay? (laughs) Jesus, I think, was bold. I think it takes boldness to do this, the way Jesus did it. And he did it, he said, look. So that's why we get together, we encourage each other, verse 25, and we're exhorting one another. In other places it says daily, exhorting one another daily. I don't know if you like to be encouraged daily or not. But, you know... Jesus gave it, and you know, I think Martha took it, and she was better off for it. She was better off for it. She didn't reject it. Oh, what a, what a tremendous blessing to be part of the family of God that wants to be like Jesus in this area to encourage the brothers and sisters in the Lord so that they, they want to be faithful. They want to sit at the feet of Jesus. They want to hear his word, listen to it, and do it faithfully. Yes, that takes some boldness. No wonder the psalmist said in Psalms 27, verse 1, The Lord is, the, is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You know, we need to be courageous people, caring about the lost, caring about the wayward, loving them, loving our brothers and sisters, that maybe there's a, a, a compromise coming in their life. Caring about that and being gentle, bold enough and yet gentle enough to to speak a word in season. That's been such a blessing. Now, coming to the next point, boldness and humility. Uh, Jesus is bold and humble. Because one thing for sure, being bold without humility just reeks. Okay? It just reeks. And, uh, and we got to be, so being bold with a humble heart is what God really wants. I, I've come to the conclusion through a lot of analyzation of myself and others that most of us feel like we're really humble and that very, very, very few people acknowledge pride. Do you know that? Very, when's the last time you heard the sin of pride confessed? Tell me. Maybe you have a better memory than me. I, it's almost never. But I'll tell you another thing, I think. Most all Christians are tempted in 
one area or another. It didn't mean they're just flagrantly proud, okay, because we do better than that. But in one area or another to be proud. I really think I think it's temptation of the devil because he, he wants us to fall. You know, pride can come in so many different garments, so many different ways. I mean, it can be uh, you know, just me first. You know, you can live in the most humble home and uh, dress in rags and be proud in heart. And that challenges me. That challenges me, but that's true. It's very true. Yeah. With a very uh, key to having the proper mentality is Philippians 2. Philippians 2, I'd like to read the first uh, eight verses there, and I'm going to read in the New King James here, where it says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort or love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill ye my joy by being like-minded, having the same uh, love, being of one accord and of one mind. Now, that's a beautiful picture. There it says, if you're going to be pleasing to God and you're going to have fellowship with Him, you don't just do it your way. You do it His way. In fact, you do it His way enough that you're working smoothly and well within a brotherhood. And, and if you're going to do it that way, if you have a brotherhood that has a brotherhood covenant, which most uh, churches do, and there's a brotherhood agreement, that a few pr basic things you agree on, that you're going to know what? You're going to, you're going to cheerfully do it because how can you be of one mind and one spirit otherwise? How can you be of one mind and one spirit otherwise? You don't do it by beating the bushes, running over the fence. You know what I mean? Hiding underneath the chicken house. You don't do it that way. We do it together. We do it together because we love the Lord. We love His Word. And we love being what He wants us to be. But it takes a pile of humility. But that's the base. That's the goal right there. He goes on to say, now how do we get there? Verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition. You know... That that is the number one problem with church disputes and problems is selfish ambition. You know that? If you don't, you need to know it. That's true. Anytime we find ourselves giving problems in a good biblical church, mark it down, look in the mirror first, okay? Yeah, that's what he's saying. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But he said there's a flip side to this. And this is the way Jesus wants us all to walk. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than himself. Then so Jesus would ask us, whenever there's a dispute over spiritual things, and I think that I've got the right way, which is about, how many times did you argue or discuss something and feel like you was promoting the wrong way? We should never do that. It's always the right way. And you know what? That happens to be simultaneous with my way. Uh, it just happened. You notice how that works. Notice how it works. He said, okay, in this church, this brother, this letter, um, he, he respects as high as his own opinion, the opinion of his brother. You get that? Read that verse. But at the notice of mine that each esteem other as good as themselves, a little close to as good as themselves, you know what better means? Better means, and one has to be better than themselves. Hmm. So when there's a discussion and you feel like you've got to have the first word and the last word, generally, 
I hope it's not you, but it's a temptation of the devil. This person say, hey, let's let my brother speak. I think they have what's important to say. How many heated discussions would you have if that's the way we always acted? Think about it. Yeah, see? Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but the interest of others. Then he says, okay, in case you can't get that, in case you, that doesn't soak in too well, let's look to Jesus. Okay, and that's what verses 5 to 8 and further, 5 to 11 is. Let this mind be in you, which was, also in Jesus, uh, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, not did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He was with he at heaven. He was in heaven with Jesus, with God, eternity past, which we can't fathom all the time. But made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of man, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and become obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, sometimes we as Christians feel like we have it pretty bad. <clears throat> Actually, as Christians, we have it really good. You know why? We have Jesus in our hearts. Amen? We have Jesus. We have Jesus. We talked about paths this morning. We have Jesus leading the path, walking before us. What a blessing. What a blessing. Jesus within our hearts, walking before us, leading us. Our comforter. Yes. And he's there. And so sometimes we think we have a bad. Jesus come to earth. God in the flesh and walked upon an evil, defiled earth. And he, had the, and he had the attitudes and attributes of God himself, which he hated sin. He hated sin. You know, have you ever been around stuff you hate much? You know what I mean? And here he was on this earth, but he loved people. And he was willing to go to the death of the cross. He was willing to sacrifice. He was humble beyond description, okay? Humble beyond description. You know, humility. Now, another aspect of that is in Luke 22. I want to look at Luke 22, verse 42. Jesus again. At the end of his spiritual, end of his earthly pilgrimage. And he said something that is just, just permeates of humility. He was there in the garden. I better read the context a little bit. 39 to 42. And coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives. As he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down to pray, saying, Father... If it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I tell you, that takes humility. That's not, there's no sign of him saying, Lord, I got a better plan. I know what's best. Please let it go my way. And I don't know about you, but that's the way I think sometimes. He's saying, look, Lord, you know, really, this is a struggle, but... You know what? The struggle, 
Our struggles are greatly diminished when we surrender to the will of our Father. Amen? And, and that is so challenging saying that. But you know, um, some of you have been called to foreign countries. <laughs> I've been calling over the hills. And let me tell you, friends, would you sell everything you have? Total surrender calls that. Total surrender calls that. If you can do that, you can get five minutes a day to talk to your neighbor too. That isn't even total surrender. That's just partial surrender. Okay? It's a good start though. Good start. God would love that. He would love that. He's saying, look, you know, today, God is your day. I'm not, you know, I have a few things I'd like to do, but if you call me to better things, that's what I want to do. See, that's what a person that's surrendered to the will of God says. See, we're still back to base one. As Jesus is, so I'm going to walk. So am I going to walk. Friends, you want a good life, we follow the, the walk of Jesus. You know, John 4, verse 34. John 4, verse 34 says, and this is right after the woman at the well says, and Jesus, because that was at the end of Jesus' life, but you know what? It's always good to end right, but it's mighty hard to end right if you don't start right, okay? And so this is more toward the starting of his ministry. And Jesus said uh, when he was talking about uh, the woman at the well and what he needed to be doing about the harvest field, and he said, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. What a blessed opportunity we have if his children to say that, I'm going to do the will of my Father. Then he goes on in John 6, verse 38, where he says, he, he uh, actually adds that a little bit, John 6, 38, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Wow, what a blessing. So he said, look, I'm not here, I don't have a personal agenda. I don't have to defend myself. When he was reviled, he didn't revile again. He said, you know, I'm just here to do the will of the Father and to glorify Him and obey Him in everything in, in His life. What a blessing He was. What a tremendous blessing Jesus was. He was a perfect example. And I am glad that He said it the way it is. He wanted to do the will of the Father all the time, not just when it suited. What a tremendous blessing. We can be that way. James 4, no one says in James 4, where God exhort, uh, encourages us to, it said, there it said, but now you, uh, James 4, verse 15, where it says, I'll read verse start 14, whereas ye know not what ye shall be on the morrow, or what is your life, is it even a vapor as it appeared for a little time, and the advantage away, for that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this and do that. If the Lord wills, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And that's what he wants. God wants us to live in his presence. He wants us to live his will all the time. What a tremendous blessing we have to be that way. Jesus, that takes a humble heart. See, it's just not, well, I want to be humble in this way. I want, or it's, some people say, I want to be humble and prove it by their actions, and that's good. <laughs> a humble heart will 
live out humble actions, humble attitudes, but it's humility of heart. It's humility. Let this mind be in you, the mind of Jesus, a humble heart. I want to do the will of my Father. He showed it another way. And... Uh, Uh, Matthew 21, 5 says, And ye daughters, ye daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh. This is the triumphal entry. The triumphal entry. Uh, cometh unto thee meek and setting on an ass, the colt and the fall of an ass. To me, that's, that's a terrible, very interesting coronation. Of one. Here Jesus was the one who owned everything. He owned more than the cows on a thousand hills. He owned every home. He owned every hill. Okay? And yet he said, the foxes, you know, have holes and the birds have nests. But I don't even claim a home. He said, okay, here's the king of kings and lord of lords. What would be worthy of him entering his home base? What would be worthy? I don't think the most beautiful horses, I forget what kind they're called, whatever, stallions, nice, beautiful, whatever they're called, and a chariot of gold would be worthy of his character. Right? That's our Lord. That wouldn't be worthy of his character. What did he choose? What the lowly, what the lowly of the land rode on. The lowly of the land. You know, every time that you make a significant purchase, we expose our heart. That challenges me. Every time you buy a vehicle, and you do certain things, buy stuff that's a significance, it reveals the posture of your heart. As he is, I want to be. May I say, I'm going to be. Let's get a little stronger resolve, okay? No wonder, he says, in the Old Testament, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy and holy place, and with him also, so I dwell in heaven. Two places, right? Thank God, not just in heaven. <laughs> with him also, that is contrite and humble spirit. Oh, these people have a humble heart. They aren't exalting me. They aren't lifting my, themselves up. It isn't all about me. It's all about Jesus. They didn't do a put on. They lived it. That was their lifestyle. That was their talk. That was their walk. And then he said, if we, are, if we can humble ourselves enough to grasp this and live this in a reasonable measure, <laughs> that takes the grace of God, now, doesn't it? He has some gifts for you. To revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. What a blessing to realize that he cares about you. He wants us to have life in him. That's how we're revived. We don't have to live a doldrum down in the face, 
down in the heart, life of loneliness and, uh, and, and, and just discouragement. He says, I want to revive those. I want to give them life. I want to give them eternal life in Jesus. And even more, I will give you my spirit. My spirit to, to live within you and to guide you in all truth and to help you be what you should be. What a blessing today to be able to live in the land of freedom where the American dream is extolled, but Jesus' ways are different. Humility and luxurious living do not go together. May I add again? Because it speaks to me. And it's speaking to us together. Humility and luxurious living do not go together. When we follow Jesus the way he wants us to do it, we're humble in all things of life. And I praise God, we find our satisfaction, we find our fulfillment in doing the will of the Father. As he is, I'm going to be. And I hope that's the resolve of every saint here. Because if we're going to make it to heaven and we're going to have the life that's a blessing to others and a blessing to the kingdom of God, that will be the desires of a heart. God bless you in following him faithfully. Shall we have a song?